Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into true crime cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of true crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Megan. And we are going to jump in. I'm bringing you an old-timey case today. I'm shaking. Let's shake our gree grease. The gree grease is shaking. I've got the raccoon penis bones. And I have the kangaroo sack. Filled with crystal penises. And we know this This brings us good luck, people, because... It does. Boy, we, we have forgot it before, and it's went wrong. <laughs> Everything Horribly. has went wrong. It went south. It or did. sideways. Whichever direction you want it to go that's bad, it went there. It went there, for sure. All right, I am going to tell you about the 1922 case today. <gasps> Old timey. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy. Unfortunately, it is a murder. Oh. Okay. Okay. But we, it, you know, it's easier when it happened a hundred years ago. You've desensitized a hundred years. 1922, people, was a hundred years ago. Son of a bitch, yep. it was. We're fucking old. We Congratulations. Are. This is the murder of Jenny Becker. Okay. I'll tell you about it. So we know that Jenny was born in 1893, not the exact day, but she was the daughter of Abraham Karbritz, born in Russia, and Rosina Karbritz of Stephanie, London. Now, I did see her name, her mother's name as... Uh, Rona, I believe, but I really think it's just like the um, American transition or translation or something like that. So I'm going with Rosina, um, but... So is she English and he's Russian? Yes. Her parents? Yep, okay. yep. Uh, they ended up coming to New York. All right, her parents did. They, But they had Jenny first before, okay, before they came that. Now, for, forgive me, it's an old-timey case. So... Finding information. I mean, I literally had to go to find a grave memorial. I love that site. To get information too. So, But Jenny immigrated here with her parents. She did. She did. And when she did, she married a man named Abraham Becker, or Abe, as he was known and is what I'm going to more than likely keep calling him the remaining of this. Abe was actually born in 1889 in Russia. So he's Russian. He's immigrant well. also. Mm -hmm. Yep. The couple had four children together. They had uh, Harry who was eight, Alexander, who was nine, and twins, Cecilia and Sarah. I don't have ages on them. Oh, we so don't know whether they're older or younger. I They were younger. Okay. But I don't have their actual ages. Jenny was a demote, demote. Nope. Let's try that devout? again. She was a devout mother and wife, as we're going to see. She was a super hardworking stay-at-home mom to their four children and was said to have fiercely loved her children. Her children were, as, as I mentioned, they're very small at this time. And there's four of them. That Nine is and a under. lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, Harry was born in 1914. So he was eight years old when this case takes place in 1922. And Alexander was born in 1913 and was nine. And like I said, I tried really hard to find the other ages and just couldn't. And But they're twin girls. They are twin girls. Yes, we do know that. Uh, we also know that on April 6th, Jenny and her husband, Abraham Becker, had attended a party together. Things were described as being very typical and very normal for the party. Everyone is doing the 1922 party things and nothing out of the ordinary happened. I picture her with a headband with a feather sticking out of it. Yes. And she's excited for a night out with the hubby. Yeah. And then on April 7th, Abe starts telling his friends and family that Jenny left him for another man. Like out of the blue? Out of the blue. Oh, Abraham. She left her husband, her kids. Who she loved more than anything. Yes. And was very, very bonded to. Women, men have been known to do weirder things, yeah. but I'm not buying it, mm -mm. Abe. Nope. And she did this for a mystery man that no one had ever seen or knew of. Well, maybe she met him at the party. They stole a quiet glance in the corner while drinking some absinthe and she fell in love and ran away. All of a sudden. All I in solved a span the case. Of, of and similarly, hours. four minutes in, we can shut it off yeah. now too. All You're right. welcome. Goodbye. This is the shortest podcast ever created. <laughs> yep. 
All right. So we do know, Megan, that there had been issues in the marriage. So for many, this wasn't a total shock because, see, Abe had taken a younger lover a oh, couple God, years he before. Her in right. As soon as she started popping out babies for him. 1920 is when he started. This case happens in 22. Okay. 1920, he lays eyes on none other than Anna Elias. She was 22 at the time. And when the two met in 1920, they start having a wild affair. Abe knocked her up. It happens. It sure does. And left Jenny for his younger baby mama. So Jenny took odd jobs. This is 1920. She took odd jobs to try to make ends meet for her and her four children. This is before the party. This is before the party. So there was a moment of time that they were separated. Because Yeah, let me start that sentence over again. People weren't surprised because there were issues in the marriage because two years prior, he left her. Literally took a much younger girlfriend, got her pregnant, and left her and the four kids. So when he all of a sudden on April 6th, when he's like, hey, yeah, by the way, Jenny left me for another guy, they're like, it's really weird that she'd leave her kids, but we understand why she left you, man, because you are not a fantastic husband. <laughs> and you, I think he smells too. I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> You're just going to throw I'm it just, out there because he must. I have no concrete evidence to say that, but he just smells like desperation and a man who's trying to cling to his younger years by taking a of course much is. younger girlfriend. Okay. All right. So he knocks this girlfriend up and Jenny's like, fine, whatever, get the fuck out. I'm going to raise these four kids. I'm going to take these odd jobs to make ends meet. Well, meanwhile, Anna is a little bit bent out of shape. Okay. Because the, the girlfriend, Anna, because she gave the egg away before the ring and now she wants to get married. But he's married to someone else. But Anna doesn't know that. <sighs> Anna. Yeah. Anna's not a bad girl. She's a victim. Anna, Anna's naive. Anna's naive. And so, but she didn't realize he had a whole other life and has a wife and four kids. Right. And now Anna has a baby with Abe too. So she's like, she's the other woman, baby mama. Put a ring on it. Yes. But you know, New York, 1920, man, you can only have one wife. Well, I mean, it's still the same way now. Sure is. (laughs) No matter where you are in time frames in New York. Right. Just keep reiterating to everybody. So we remember the times. All right. So he Abe is like, listen, um, I can't actually put a ring on it because I'm actually a married father of four, not the single loving man that I led you to think I was. I'm sure those were his words. I, I'm sure because Abe's a stand up guy. Um, He's crying with his head on her lap. Mm-hmm. I wanted Baby, to tell you I the whole you so time. Much. She's abusive to me and that's why. She questions my manhood. Yes. She makes me feel like nothing. Yes. I'm never I'm never making enough money for her. I'm never good enough for her. Those kids are hellions. Keep crawling on top of her and making more babies. Right. She's so awful. It's terrible. <laughs> I keep making her have my children. <laughs> yes, he's the victim in all of Sorry, this. Sorry, Abe. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Oh, Fuck you, Abe. It was sarcastic. Come on. <laughs> so what happens is that Anna's like, listen, listen, listen. This is a tale as old as time. Infidelity to a younger hussy as old as rhyme. Right? <laughs> what a great Disney's next feature film. <laughs> Infidelity to a younger hussy as old as rhyme. Yeah, I write for Disney. If I you can't, can't tell. wait to see the outfits. <laughs> so she tells Abe, you go home. You figure your shits out, man, because mm-hmm. I don't want you until you're single. So if you become single... Hit me up, bro. That's what she'd say if she was 19 and or she 2020. Already, yeah, and right? she already has the baby? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so she's like, hey, you like that country song? If he ever singles you up. That's yes. Like, that, that's where she's at right okay. now. Okay. If she singles you up, I'd be more than willing to take you back. But until then, see ya. All right. So what does Abe do? He goes knocking on Jenny's door all sheepish and begs her to take him back, which <sighs> she does. Because she needs to survive. She is struggling. She had not worked before. She was doing all these odd jobs. So we don't know. It could have been out of a soft tenderheartedness because she actually loved Abe. Or it could have fucking been survival or a little bit of both. I go with the latter. Yes, me too. Uh, So here she is. She 
um, needed to be able to provide for them. Now we're going to see, given how much we see later that the love of her children comes into play, I'm going to say that it was probably the survival providing food, clothing for them more than it ever was her love for Mr. Greedy Cack. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's just Abe, Mr. Greedy Cack. So friends and family know of all these issues and transgressions. So on April 7th, 1922, when Abe starts telling people that Jenny is no longer around because she literally ran away with another man, some thought, well, you know what? Good for her because Lord knows you didn't treat her right. And he even went to the police. Oh. He told them the story a couple of days after she left and reported her missing. And the police were like, okay, yeah. I mean, she probably did run away with another man because, you know. We don't blame her. You're a shithead. Mm-hmm. The other, but it wasn't really investigated because he literally came to the police to report her missing, but also provided them the explanation of why she was missing, right? right. So why are they going to ra- waste their resources of like their two police officers <laughs> on staff to look for her? Now, the other thing is, is that Abe wasn't a stand-up guy and not just because... No. I know. I am shocking you right now. Uh, mind blown. Because he, you know... It's not just because he thought that his cock, thought with his cock instead of his cranium. That's fantastic. <laughs> I literally wrote that in my notes. You kill me sometimes. It's, it's, this wasn't the only real, like, realization that people had around town. He was difficult to get along with. He paid little attention and no attention to the kids. And this is, it's because of this, this point right here, the fact that he was an asshole, people knew he was an asshole, and that he, never paid attention to those kids before it's this point that tells neighbor and friend of jenny that her friend rebecca baldwin's like you know what something's not sitting right with me i just don't know jenny to be the type of person that would just up and leave her children with an unnurturing wiener like abe there's no way what a mental break would you have to have to leave your children in that situation. Mm-hmm. If you leave, you're going to leave with them because you know that a guy like that isn't going to care. For sure. That and that's exactly where Je- where her friend Rebecca's at. Like, nope, she wouldn't have left those kids. Good job, She Becky. could have left you. Yes. But not those kids. That's right. So for you to just, and, and then we see what Abe does immediately after. This doesn't sit well with with Becky either, Rebecca Baldwin. That's right. Um, Because soon after she disappeared, we're talking like two weeks Abe made it abundantly clear that he could not handle the kids on his own, and he put them all into an orphanage. You dick. He put his four children, which was common then when you couldn't provide. This did happen. But they go into an orphanage. We've heard horror stories of what happened in those, happens in those orphanages. These poor babies. And he moves Anna into the home. Why couldn't Anna take care of his four kids? Well, she's already got a kid of her own. So, stepmom. Who knows? I knew you were going to ask that question, but I wondered, what did he tell Anna? Did he tell Anna she left me and took the four kids? Maybe. Maybe. That could be very Because possible. I'd like Anna a lot more if he said, my wife left me and she said, well, where are the kids? Yeah. I'll help take care. Oh, they're with you? Okay. I'll oh, you help put them in an orphanage? Why don't you go get them? Because that is my child's sib- step sib- or half siblings. Right? Yeah. No. But like you said, we don't know. This is an old case. Maybe Mm-mm. he said, wife and kids are gone. Yeah. She ran away with another man, took the kids and everything, and he I, played no, the victim. I'm, I'm so no sad. I have his head in your lap again. He's right. crying. She's stroking his head. Right. Yeah. I we, miss all my kids that I never paid attention that's right. to. But now I can have you. Yep. A, Rebecca Baldwin knew that Abe was the type of man who always thought about himself when and that he never would have, he wasn't taking care of those kids. Um, when an orphanage didn't have an opening, actually, he had, I think it was Harry. Okay. Harry and Alec were, Alexander, but they called him Alec, were placed in a Hebrew orphan asylum. What the heck is, is that? what it was described as. So were they Jewish? I have no idea. But it's an it that's what it was described as. A Hebrew orphan asylum, which obviously sounds like an awful place to live. Satan probably created it on earth. And in the 1900s, the Hebrew orf- orphan asylum was always filled with thousands of children. 
and they had little resources to care for them at all. So very few children were adopted because they were children from single parent households. They didn't have a mom or a dad to care for them. So they took them to this asylum and used it as a boarding school. That's why there's thousands of children there is because single Can, parents typically did this. Used yeah, it as because a boarding they school. didn't. Yeah, if you weren't married, that's what you did. Can I just tell you that I, I wikied this mm-hmm. and just so you know, it was a Jewish orphanage in New York City. It was founded in 1860 by the Hebrew Benevolent Society. It didn't close until 1941 after uh, pedagogical research concluded that children thrive better in foster care or small group homes than large institutions. Then, yeah. Now, I didn't see anything terrible come up with this, but just so that people knew that's what right. that's what this was. Yep. So I don't know that you had to be Jewish to leave your kids there because it sounds like this is this was the solution for single parents at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah, they just it was created. It mm-hmm. was well in the Hebrew benevolent society. Yeah. I mean that's that's amazing. Interesting. Yeah. So here Rebecca Baldwin is refusing to accept that Jenny would ever leave her children with their father. Yeah. And then seven months after Jenny left, quote unquote. Uh, right. Letters start showing up at the residence at Rebecca Baldwin's residence. From Jenny's mother in London. Oh. She wanted to know why she had not heard from her daughter, which was so unlike her, and she was worried that something happened to her. So this bothered Rebecca too, because she knew that Jenny would have at least let her mother know that she was okay and stayed in touch with her. If she had ran away with another man and abandoned her children, that's one thing, but there's no reason for her to not stay in touch with her mom like she always has. So the problem for Rebecca is that it's 1922. So- you know, it's men, men. men, so men, it was the twenties. I, I mean, I love me men, but it's men. Yeah. Come on. Sorry it's, guys. It's there. Yeah. This, but this is just the reality. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm just saying I'm going to blame you. Yeah. I mean, but this, this was the reality of the time. So all seemed to believe that like they just easily believed that a good woman like Jenny would run away with another man and leave her kids because you know, women. All oh, right. Those temptresses. They are wanton and selfish since Eve ate that fucking apple. I only think with the kitty, I guess. Yep. So Rebecca did something that not a lot of people would do at the time. She uh, made herself detective on the case. She is not giving up. I sure hope I- lock Becky. Yes. And I know I've created a lot of friendships with this podcast that I think if I mysteriously disappeared, people would call, they would wreak havoc. Matt would never get away with killing me. Never. Because they, people know I would never abandon my children. I've made it publicly clear. No, but your dogs might help him cover it up. My dogs are in on it. They are. I think, look <laughs> like, how cute and I innocent. Know. They love me, but they love him more. So their loyalties, I know where they lie. I know. It's obvious. I'm <sighs> sorry. I know. So shortly after Jenny was reported missing, Rebecca began talking to friends and neighbors about what they knew of the situation. She took meticulous notes. Everyone's statements, word for word. She's taking statements and everything. Yes, she is. Because no one else is going to investigate this. The men on the police force say this, believe this husband that... Oh, my wife left me and the four kids for another man. And they're like, yeah, you've been a dick around town. You knocked up your mistress. We see why. Oh, my God. Right, right. So she asked how they came to know that Jenny had left Abe and they all had the same answer. Like, how did you find out that Jenny left Abe? And they're all like, exactly. Abe told me. So she's like, okay, how did he tell you? And it's these facts that didn't make any sense to Rebecca. Detective Becky. I love Detective Becky. Becky P.I. Yes. Some of the neighbors said that Abe said to them that Jenny had left with another man at the April 6th party. Others stated that it was after the party that Abe said she had left. He didn't keep his story straight. Fucking Abe. Nope. He sure can't. Others who spoke to Abe on the morning of the 7th state that Abe literally claimed he got rid of his wife. <gasps> literally, he was passing a man on the street, like hollering to him from across the street. Like, I got rid of my wife. Top of the morning to you. It's going to be a great day. I got rid of my wife. Rebecca's like, yeah, that's interesting. You changed your story with many different people and you're literally tipping your hat like... And then his further you made explanation. a statement against party mm-hmm. interest. Mm-hmm. Rebecca wrong. knew that Jenny was a devout mother. There were times in the past when Abe would have mishandled the family's 
finances or wasn't there altogether. It's hard to support two families at one time. They it don't know about he, each other. He discovered that. Yep, yep, yep. They had no money hard or food. As a matter of fact, this this is why Rebecca is so like, there's no way she left these kids because there were times where he mishandled the family's money so much that Jenny would have to go out and beg for food for their children so the children didn't go hungry. Okay. So it was just what a loving mother would do. She's willing to beg for food to keep her children alive, but then she just up and left them. No. Hell no. And she started going to work doing odd jobs mm-hmm. and trying to make money here and there because she had been recently, mm-hmm. you know, abandoned. Right. For the younger mistress. Mm-hmm. Fucking men. God dang it with that younger girl Man, shit. If you were going to leave your kids at any point in time, wouldn't it, it, assuming she didn't care for them at all, wouldn't you have done it after a man just left you? Wouldn't you have said, okay, we're destitute. I have nothing left. My kids would be better yeah. off in an orphanage and I'm going to go take off and live the high life. Yeah, exactly. That's when it should have or yeah. would have happened. Not then take him back. Yeah. No. So Abe does something. Should have left him in an orphanage. He wouldn't have made it. He's not resilient enough. No, they would have olivered him. Oh, definitely. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> Then Abe does something that is close to a confession in my book. He moves his little hot number into um, the house. Remind me of her name again. Anna. Anna. Yep. So he moves Anna in. And because, you know, like like we had already mentioned. And Rebecca's like, "Mm, you know what? I better write this down. She marked the day that Anna started living with Abe. And she continued to wait in, in interview people and gather more evidence before she would go to the police. And it's when she received that letter from um, her mom that she's like, okay, this is seven months later. It's been seven months that she has been secretly um, investigating the uh, disappearance of Jenny. But at the same time, she was also looking for signs of Jenny. You know, where would she have go and live with this unnamed mystery man you know is there anyone that can say they saw her dropping letters into the post box like how was she communicating with this mystery man was there a strange man at the party the april 6th party that no one knew no none of those things happened so who could she have run off with no one saw anything but once she received that letter from her daughter she took everything she had compiled and she went to the police hoping that someone would listen. The letter from her mother. The Yes, what I say. Her daughter. I apologize, yes. <laughs> That's okay, um, I just wanted to clarify. Yep, the letter from her mother. Um, she took it all and went to the police. When she walked in, not a surprise here. Officers treated her very skeptically, like they took her information. Um, they did have her disappearance on record, Rebecca found out, so that was new information for her. But they weren't actively looking for her, and they admitted that. Because why? They'd been given the explanation already by the the perpetrator. (laughs) And it wasn't until District Attorney Edward J. Glennon and Assistant District Attorney Albert Kahn sat down with Rebecca that they started putting the pieces together. Rebecca was able to outline the entire out time, like timeline of events from like the day that she went to disappear because she started this investigation this is unbeknownst amazing. to Abe right off the bat. And this is all I ask of all of you if I ever mysteriously disappear. That's right. <laughs> so, so she handed um, Edward, the district, uh, Glennon, the uh, district attorney, the many different statements that Abe had gave to the neighbors. She even included the names and addresses of everyone. So she then told them about the state of the children and that Abe had been living with Anna almost as soon as Jenny was out of the picture. So several, And before. Right. Yeah, good point. Several detectives then started moving in with, like, they pick up the investigation. They've got the copies of the names and the addresses of the neighbors who gave statements to Rebecca, but they wanted to back up her claims with the same evidence to make sure that everything that she presented to them was accurate. Right. And slowly but surely, they start their own investigation for the first time seven months after this woman goes missing, and they find that everything Rebecca gave them was the truth. So the detectives on her on this case said that her work was better than most detectives. You're high, Becky. Was because she was a woman. Becky P.I. And actually, I don't know. I did wonder. Some articles I read said, we're surprised that they didn't offer her a job. 
I mean, there's not many detectives at this, you know. There weren't any women police officers, Charnel. Right, right, right. So she was not. She was never hired. Probably (laughs) should have been. Um, But they could see the clear motive, means, and opportunity that we talk about, right? We got it. So with the witnesses' statements in hand, District Attorney Edward Glennon decided that it was time to confront Abraham Becker. Boy, is he going to be caught off guard. Well, he was described as being extremely calm. He didn't let it go, like didn't let it get to him. He was cool, calm, and collected in his demeanor. And that really made things difficult when interviewing him. He flat out refused to acknowledge that anything might have happened to his wife. He told officers that she had left with another man and that he didn't really know where she was at this moment and didn't really care. Right. So the DA pressed Abe for information on his movements on April 7th, the day after the party. Abe thought about it for a moment and then began to tell them about his day. He said it started out like all of his days do. He got up ready for work. He was a truck driver. And he started his workday at 7.45 in the morning. It wasn't until that afternoon that he discovered Jenny was missing. So he's indicating essentially to the police officers that she was there in the morning doing the regular morning, you know, activities. And it wasn't until he came home that he discovers that she's missing. But this contradicts what he was telling people in the morning on the street. Top of the morning to you. It's going to be a great day. I got Got rid rid of of my my wife. wife. So he reported her disappearance to the police, and um, then he claimed that he received a letter from her some days later stating that she had moved to Philadelphia, but he couldn't produce the letter. He threw it away, and he no longer has the letter. No. Oh, we just throw away evidence yep. that you're being accused of something yeah, on? No, and- he didn't think it was important at the time, because oh. why wouldn't people believe her or him? You know? <sighs> yeah, you're, she ran away with another man. Well, he was wearing the trousers. Mm-hmm. So she's supposedly in Philadelphia. Um, obviously, at this moment, DA uh, Edward Glennon's like, mm, yeah, no, Jenny is probably not living anymore. I don't yeah. think she's in Philly. No. I mean, we're going to reach out to our people there, but. Nope. So obviously, Abe has no idea of the detective work that Becky P.I. and then the rest of the, det- the actual police officers. And her assistants. And yes, th- good point. <laughs> Becky P.I. and her assistants, the police officers, um, you know, he has no idea that his statement completely contradicted these eyewitness statements that were made that were exactly right on from when Becky took them seven months ago to when the detectives asked them to. Their stories didn't change. It was only Abe's that seemed to change. So one witness, Harry Simon Simonowitz, Simonowitz, Sorry, let me just try that again. Harry Simonowitz. Simonowitz. Uh, something like that. I like it. Harry. Harry S. Harry S. That's Sari. <laughs> this is all bad. Yeah. <laughs> One witness, Harry Simonowitz, stated that he ran into Abe on the morning of the 7th. He is the man who says he was in such a great mood that he said, quote, congratulate me. I got rid of my wife, end quote. And which I'm sure he's like, congratulations, question mark. Yeah, he probably didn't know what he meant by that. At the time, Harry thought it was funny. A little bit dark, but funny. So he started, he believed the story that Jenny had left Abe. And that he just didn't seem to be upset about it. Right. Things had been rocky. She left me. Woohoo. Right. Freedom. For, to go with my, you know, younger girlfriend. Yeah. So. That was. So Harry is like, yeah, at first I did believe it. And then I started to hear some rumors going around around town. And um, he's like, now I think that maybe he meant something a little bit more literal about that. Mm -hmm. Abe denied any involvement in in Jenny's disappearance always. All right. He wanted to disprove what others were saying about him. So he told officers about his friend that he had seen that day to back up his statement. He's like, I have an alibi. I would like to squash all of these rumors. He tells the officers, go speak to my guy, Ruben Norkin. He is going to set you straight. I was with Ruben. Is Ruben real? Ruben's real. There's a real Ruben. There's a real Ruben. On the night that Jenny supposedly disappeared, he told the officers that he was with Ruben. He couldn't give them a real answer as to why, because Ruben had an auto shop and a dump. So officers oh my actually, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Officers actually offered this information to him. Like, were you at the auto shop because there was something wrong with your car? And fucking Abe was like, nah, there's nothing wrong with my car. I was just there. There was a body in it. I don't really know why I was there. was a body in it. So they're like, okay. Now, a good criminal would have been like, I was having Ruben fix my car and that's why I was there and that's why he sees me. But not this guy. This guy's just like, nope, nothing wrong with my car. I was just there and I don't know why I was there. I was just chatting with Ruben. Went to see a friend. Yeah. Who could help me dispose of this body in my car. Yes. (laughs) The officers asked if there was something wrong with Abe's car and he's like, no, 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 no. no. It's like, actually, I had some trash. Oh, fuck. So I was just taking my trash to Ruben's dump. Yeah. I do this regularly. The town does this regularly. He owns an auto shop and a dump. Fair enough, honey. So they're like, okay, we're going to hold you on suspicion. Um, And they brought him in front of a judge who assigned a $10,000 bail and then locked him up in the Bronx County Jail. All right. So he's behind bars while they keep investigating. The most interesting thing is that there were a few guards that patrolled the corridor of this part of the jail. All right. And what I mean by a few is I mean there's not enough. Okay. There's not enough guards in this corridor in the Bronx County Jail. And the inmates know that. So they talk freely about their crimes because there's not really anybody there to hear them. Yeah. All right. It's big jail. Jailhouse talk happens, Charnel. Yep. Yep. And when Abe was placed in his cell, he was pestered by his inmate. What'd you do? Yeah. What'd you do? He wants to know. He's like, why are you here? Abe tells the other inmates that they were looking for his wife. And then they asked what happened to her. And he kind of like slides away from this a little bit. And he's like, "Mm, I don't know. You know, she ran away with another guy. And now they think I did it. I, I don't know. But then he hears the other inmates talking openly and freely about their crimes. And they explain... The guards are never in this corridor, so we just talk as we want to. So finally, he speaks up when asked again what happened to his wife. You big dummy. He says, quote, the police will never find her. I hid her away and they won't be able to find her, end quote. (gasps) Oh, the things we do to fit in in different societies and cultures. Even when you're just in that environment for a minute. A I mean, he moment. wanted to tell someone. So bad. He needed a therapist so and bad. he found it. He did in his jailhouse inmates. Abe then asked, if, like, if you were in here, how do you get a message out? And they're like, oh, well, who do you need to contact? It's like, I need to contact my friend Ruben Nortkin. I need to get a message to him. Ruben, I need you to vouch for me. Yes. <laughs> That I was there on this night. Yep. The, Just to talk. The inmates were like, okay, but who, who's Robin? R- Robin? Ruben. Abe stopped talking and um, they didn't tell him how to contact his friend. Here's the problem that Abe doesn't realize. Be- is that every inmate in his cell were undercover police officers. All of them? All of them. There wasn't that, an actual real inmate in there what at What a beautiful setup. Yes, yes. So they went undercover thinking that Abe would do something stupid and talk he's freely. stupid. Yep, about his involvement. So they also had a stenographer in the cell next to him taking down his statement word for word. I love this. Yes. So now they know that Ruben Norkin is someone they absolutely need to interrogate, right? Yeah. And that- He knows where a body is. Yes, exactly, exactly. And they kind of thought that that visit uh, that they had with him, uh, or that he had with him, meaning- Ruben had with Abe. Yep. Was probably the key- to uh, and, and Ruben's shop was probably the key to where we're going to find Jenny. So they're dispatched. The officers are dispatched to Ruben Norkin's shot. shop. Shop. <laughs> shop. Damn. What is my deal? I like can't read. They brought him in for questioning without resistance. Ruben's like, sure, sure, sure. He was kind of like Abe, just cool, calm, and collected. They get him to the station. Detective James McCorton, McCarton, McCarton, thought that Ruben's demeanor was all an act. Um, So all day and all night, they questioned him. They did feed him while they were doing that. Oh, that was nice of them. Yeah, but they wanted to know what he knew about Jenny and Abe. Now, at first, he acted indifferent, and he was like, why do I care what happened to her? If Abe killed her, what does it have to do with me? But as the hours went by, Ruben slowly started saying more and more. He still denied having anything to do with Jenny's disappearance, but he did let on that like 
if you're looking for her, you maybe could start digging in the dump around my shop. Just saying, just saying, just saying. Mm. So, I'm not saying I know anything, but if, if I had been Abe and I was trying to dispose of something, there is a dump around my place. Yes. Perhaps I would have done it around the dump I mean, around my place. Yep. It was so, good advice, really. Yeah. Right away, Detective James McCartan's like, cool, let's go to your shop. And they walk out into the dump and several other officers show up at well as well. And, you know, this is old school, Megan, because it's 1922. So they show up with the shovels. Oh, they're digging with shovels Shovels. and everything. Yep. And, of course, the detective is like, okay, Ruben, where do we dig? So he looks around. He takes them to a spot. They start digging. I'm thinking maybe here. The officer is like, you know what? This doesn't seem right, Ruben, because, you see, the ground should be disturbed. There should be. This is hard-packed ground. It's been seven months, granted. But the police officer can tell, like, this is not any earth that has been disturbed at any given length of, you know, short amount of time. Not in the last seven months, certainly. So let's try again, Ruben. Like, what's going on? So he began, the detective began to walk around the dump and nearer still to the sidewalk and the building. All right. So he's not going out back to where the dump is. He's now walking towards the, the building and he's probing the ground with a stick to see how soft it was. When the stick went in quite a bit and was met with a little bit of trouble, the detective looked to Ruben before he could even ask if this is where the spot was. He saw the look on Ruben's face. He was pale and looked horrified. So they didn't need to ask him any more questions. They just began digging. It's one down. of those situations where the face tells it all. Yep, yep, and it did. Ruben's ugly mug told them everything. As time went on, more and more people are gathering around the sidewalk to see what's happening because this is a shop, a local shop, and they're between the sidewalk and the building. I don't feel like anybody's going to bring their car into Reuben anytime soon. I'm No, no, they're not going to get the opportunity to. But also now newspaper men are tipped off to the story, right? They're snapping pictures as they dig deeper and deeper. Hours later, I mean, this is before controlled crime scenes. So hours later, they had reached nearly seven feet into the earth and they move out several large rocks from a pit. It was then that they find a badly decomposed body. So Detective James McCartan believed that they had found poor Jenny right away. But, um, and they had got this far. He wasn't quitting now. Now, at this point in time, now we need somebody to identify the body, okay? And the main questions are, was this Jenny? Um, How did Ruben Norkin know? What's his involvement? How'd he know that this is where she was buried? He gave him a spot to bury. The detectives still haven't interviewed Anna Ellis at this time, so does she know more than what she is letting on? It was discovered later that she did not. She, I mean, she didn't even know the man was married with four kids. She right. certainly didn't know that he murdered his wife. I don't wife feel like Anna asked in. as many questions as she should have, however. Correct. She was not screening her potential mates very, very heavily. Well. Mm-hmm. So Jenny's body was found in an old boiler vault from a, from, um, that boiler vault was actually there from a business that previously used to be on that property. All right. But there was also rocks and trash thrown on top of her body, which is just, so disrespectful yeah but he's trying to get rid of her and so she fits in a boiler vat he Mm -hmm. throws that in the seven foot hole and then puts rocks and shit on top of it he also covered her in limestone which is (gasps) thought to have quickened decomp and masked mask odor oh but instead as it often does it preserves the body instead so it's a common misconception that limestone in some environments limestone absolutely will um increase decompetent decomposition but not in this environment um so it actually preserved her really well she had been there for you know about seven months reporters start taking photos immediately in the huge crowd they take her to the morgue and detectives start to question abraham and tell them that they found a body he continues to say it's not his wife his wife left him for another man so they're like we're gonna bring you in we would like you to identify your wife's body. Oh, I like that. So she was laying on the table, and of course her features are not as recognizable because of decomposition, but her clothing was super preserved. 
So when he looked at the body, he told police that it could not be his wife because his wife was much larger and he had never seen her wear clothing like that. And his wife had perfect teeth and this particular person did not. Detectives were not convinced. They remove Abe from the room and guess who they bring in the morgue to double check what Abe was saying against what Abe was saying. Becky P.I. Of course they do. They love Becky. Best detective in town, Rebecca Baldwin. Now she was meticulous and did identify this body as Jenny by her features and clothing. They also brought in other people who had frequent frequent contact with Jenny who could also confirm that they had seen Jenny in these clothes many times. Now, remember, this is a poor family. They did not have, clothing was not as accessible no, as it is today. No, you wore the same thing every couple yes. days or so. You might have three a day dress, outfits at most. Dress, yeah. Yep. So, yes, there were many other people. And I feel bad for everybody who had to traumatize themselves by looking at this decomp, you know, Jenny in this state. Yeah. Right? Just to identify, yes, we have seen her in these clothing, this clothing many times. So Reuben and Abe are arrested and the body was on his property and the other there is other girls in the area that had went missing. Oh, so of course no. the town is like, um, was Reuben somehow responsible for the disappearance is he a of serial these killer? other girls? Right. Like what is going on? The community is outraged. They wanted the police to dig up all of Reuben's property. Now, the police did too, but they didn't have the manpower to make this happen. We only have shovels. You know, I mean, what? how are we going to do this? The city actually funded some digging to happen and people. They got people together. They were digging, but no other bodies were ever found on that property. Okay. This really was a case of, I killed my wife and I need you to help me, help find me hide spot. the body. Mm-hmm. So that's at least something. Then... So, uh, in fun fact, back in the too, day, I wonder if he was still if he was an accessory after the fact. This is for his charge. Um, I think I get to it actually. Okay. Sorry, I wrote these notes like four weeks ago. But no worries. This is odd. The other case we recorded today, everything happened on December first, nineteen twenty-two. Is it again? It's December first again. Oh my! December first, nineteen twenty-two was when they were arrested. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That was three days ago. No. Oh God! A hundred years. A hundred years and three days ago. To this day, they were arrested and um, that is, and they were questioned more heavily. I mean, now they've got this body and they have better questions to ask and whatnot. After Ruben spent a night in jail, he decided to take this whole thing just a little bit more seriously and he was ready to talk to the DA. Oh, they didn't have to bring in fake cops this mm, time? Nope, nope, nope. Um, Can I just say for a minute that this, this I keep picturing in so my head, Abe, telling this jailhouse story and then watching every single prisoner walk out of the cell and say, thanks, man. Right. Right. As they go back to their desks and put their uniforms on. That's all I'm picturing him going, oh, Oh, no, that's not. You guys lied to me. The police can't lie to me. Right. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So Ruben decides, you know what? I think I'd like to talk to the D.A. Albert Cohn. Okay. And Albert's like, that's great. Let's talk. Here's all the evidence I have against you. So what what conversation would you like to have? He's like, I'd like to have the conversation where I save my own ass. Can yes. we have that conversation? The DA's like, sure. Let's see. Let's see what happens. You tell me what you got and I'll tell yeah. you how much of your ass you get to keep. Yep, exactly. I love how you <laughs> phrased that. So he told um, ADA Cohn that he was the lookout man for Abraham Becker while he lured his wife to bend over a car hood that was up at the shop. All right. And he was doing this like, hey, I need you to look at something like just getting her over there. While Jenny was bent over at the waist over the car engine, Abe came up behind her with an iron bar and hit her over the head. So Ruben then confirmed to the ADA that Jenny was still alive when she was buried. Mother. So, okay. He didn't kill her with the pipe. He knocked her out and then did all of this. And then they put her in that vat and buried, yes, buried her Alive. alive, unfortunately. So he was set as an accomplice in the case. And um, Abe talked for weeks, he said, about how he would kill her. This was very, very premeditated. He had talked about he would maybe poison her. Maybe he would strangle her, drown her. Um, this seven-foot pit 
had been, uh, was dug weeks before he killed her. Yes. He'd been planning this since his girlfriend left him. Yeah. Since his girlfriend told him to I, go home. I believe so. When Anna. she said, you get single again and we can talk, he was immediately, how do I get single? How do I get single? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So at this point now, Abe wants to give his own confession and said that it was Reuben who killed her and said that they shook hands over the grave and said all of this right in front of Reuben. Like, don't you remember? Don't you remember how we shook hands over the grave? And Reuben's like, nah, man, but I remember how you totally premeditated this for weeks and talked to me several times about killing her. About and how you're going to kill your way? Dug the hole. So. What benefit was any of this to Reuben? Other than friendship. Uh, that is where the case is like, what? Yeah. yeah. It is puzzling to the district attorneys as well. I mean, he plans this. It's premeditated. Ruben knows it's premeditated. And he goes along with this whole thing. He never turns his friend in. He knows a woman's going to die. Yes. I'm not thinking that Ruben is a good human. He's not a stand-up guy. And it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't have women buried someplace else with right. that type of mentality. Like, he's the he's the get rid of guy. Mm-hmm. If you got he, a problem in, in in NYC, you go to Rubens and he'll help he you have that take reputation. care of it. Yep, yep. Um, so for the ADA, they know that they've got them both admitting to being accomplices, all right, and that they were both responsible, likely, for her murder. I mean, he Ruben flat out said she was alive when we buried when we buried her. So you're both responsible for her murder. I mean, granted, she wasn't actually murdered with the iron bar; it was suffocation, but. Which is just terrifying. Felony murder, man. Yep. They arraigned both of them on December 2nd, 1922, where they both pled not guilty. The judge decided that Abe would be tried quickly, starting the following Monday, December 7th, 1922. You get your speedy trial. Mm -hmm. And then Reuben would be tried separately since they were both accusing each other. So on December 18th, the jury was selected. And the state had 42 witnesses to call against Abe. Abe testified for himself that he could not remember most of the answers to his questions. <sighs> he forgot ever saying Reuben was a murderer. So they are, I mean, it has only been people 18 days. Okay. And he's like, oh, I don't remember saying it was Reuben. I don't remember saying that we shook hands over the grave. I don't remember anything. I don't remember where I was on the 7th, April 7th. I'd, all of a sudden, he has amnesia and can't remember a thing when he's on the stand. How's the song go? Memories, misty watercolored memories in the corner of my mind. I'm singing from Cats, yes, by the way. Yes, you are. <laughs> so um, his wife's wedding ring on her <gasps> finger. They're like, hey, you know, this was your wife. Remember how you said that that wasn't your wife's body, but that you was couldn't your identify wife's her. wedding ring? And he's like, oh, nope, I don't, I don't know if that's my wife's wedding ring. Sir, didn't you buy your wife's wedding ring? Yep. So and you place bought it on her it. finger and you promise it. for better, for worse, right. not until you killed her. Yeah. Sickness and in, in health, but Ugh. till death do you part, but it's oh. not supposed to be you. That causes the, the parting. Death. Yeah. <laughs> the jury doesn't love that he's like, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know if that's my wife's ring. You don't remember buying that now. I don't, I have no idea. So he's like, who, they're then asking him who killed your wife. It's like, oh, I don't know. You got me. No idea. She left me for another man. So the jury deliberated for an hour. Oh my. And returned the verdict of guilty, probably because juror number four had to take a shit. And that's probably why it took so long. They you put know? on 40 some witnesses, and the 42. only defense he had was that he couldn't remember I don't and that know. she left him. So, yep, 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 yep. Not shocking. He smiled when he was given the verdict, and he was sentenced to the electric chair. Oh. 1920s New York. Uh-huh. No thanks. The zapper, man. Mm-hmm. We aren't talking a cozy chair that you sit in with some injectables. And I'll, I will tell you, December 13th, 1923, so a year and 13 days later, Abraham Becker was sent to the electric chair at 12.18 a.m. And was electrocuted to and death. was electrocuted to yeah, death. Yeah, there weren't any, did he even file any appeals? I have no idea. It doesn't say it's hell. You can things happen so much, much from an quicker. Newspaper. Got the the states I left know. that still do have the death penalty. I mean, you can sit there for years and yes. years. I mean, we have some waiting for decades, right? Sure, I do. So in- yeah, interesting. 
So Ruben confessed to his actions after this. After Ruben seeing has him, a memory. And he was like, listen, I really was only the lookout guy for my friend. I did not take part of, you know, putting her, hitting her over the head. And I didn't bury her, but I did allow it. And I did know, you know, I was an accomplice, but I didn't actually murder her. So can that, you know, save Please me Please take here? that into consideration. Yeah, no, he was found guilty of murder and sentenced to death by electric chair. And he, Reuben Norkins, went to the electric chair on April 18th, 1924. So about a year and a half later. It was about, let's see, five months after Abe went. I hate, uh, this is a terrible coincidence, but he was actually sent to the electric chair on his son's birthday. Oh, Reuben was? Yeah. That, which makes me sad because the crime was not his son's fault. And that's just a terrible memory to have. He claims that the crime wasn't his fault. His only crime was keeping the secret and um, that he did not agree that he should have been held uh, accountable with the death penalty this way. I think. And I get that. I think that depending on the situation and how things happen, that might have ended differently for him mm-hmm. now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Especially when someone's willing to to sing a little. Um, on the other hand, you know, all of this could have been different, done differently if, one, he would have stopped it, or two, say he had to go, felt that he had to go through with it, which is criminal. As soon as Abe left, Ruben could have been like, uh, yo, local police officer, um, I need to talk to you about something that just happened at my place. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's where the, the remorse and the doing the and right I, thing comes in. I just have a feeling that... You know, he helped like put her body he's in the there. Get, he's the get rid of guy. Yeah, he he didn't just watch idly by. Abe contacted him because he needed help. If you have a problem and you don't know how to solve it, you go to the auto yeah. shop and talk to ask for Ruben. Right. That's exactly what ask the word on the street Ruben. was. So, and Abe doesn't strike me as the able body kind. He's he's not a go getter. So I think he most certainly would have needed help moving, say, a unconscious body. Yeah, yeah I think I'm, so. I'm not getting the impression that this man is uh, very independent in those things. So, or capably strong enough. All right. Are you ready for a brain bath? I am. Okay. So this, this one just, it made me laugh so much when you shared it in a Patreon only um, episode. All right. That okay. I, you need to reshare. I need, I, we need the world to hear this story because I just think that it's a good PSA as we're have, going through the holidays and eating food from other people's houses. Yes. Right? And I eating, have very specific opinions on that. Yes. We, we, t- we discussed them. And we trust our family. So we eat our family's food. Speak and for yourself. I'm here. No, yeah. <laughs> no. Just I'm kidding general. family that's right. listening. <laughs> but uh, this, this story kind of makes us question everything. All right. So I give credit to you. Okay. I'm hit my chin on the microphone. I'm laughing already. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. It's off. This is from New England Living Today and from Megan. Megan found it first and I decided we had to share it. It is called, this is Uncle Bob Lends a Hand. (laughs) I spent my first Thanksgiving with my husband in his Irish Italian neighborhood in New York City. As a newcomer, I was placed in charge of boiling 15 pounds of potatoes. When they were ready, I picked up the pan and surveyed the crowded kitchen for a sink in which to drain them. My husband's elderly Uncle Bob guided me to a small half bath and grabbed the steaming pot. Now, at this point in the story, I'm thinking we're going to dump them in the sink. The, the bathroom the sink. The bathroom sink. However, um. Uncle Bob started to drain the potatoes into the toilet. But... He lost his grip on the lid and all the potatoes tumbled in. I screamed, oh no. But Uncle Bob began fishing the potatoes out of the toilet. (laughs) No one will ever know, he whispered. Now just get out there and mash them. And I'm picturing a slap on the ass like, make me proud, honey. Sometime later during the meal, my husband's aunt Tot leaned over and whispered, your potatoes are delicious. I think you're going to fit into this family quite nicely. And this Robin McCutcheon in Oxford, Ohio, thank you for this story that New England Today Living published and gave all of us as a warning that you might be eating poop potatoes. So I have to say that we laughed so hard at this, but 
I also gagged a couple times mm-hmm. and I'm, I, I, I don't gag easy, but son of a biscuit, like this is just terrible. And so what it did was made us call into question every family gathering that we are eating at mm-hmm. over the holidays and possibly ones in the past where I know I've probably eaten toilet potatoes now. Yes. yes. So my thought was what we do at Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner now, when you do the potluck and you have the people bring the food. After we say our prayer, because that's what we do in my family, I'm going to have everybody stand next to the dish that they made, and I'm going to require all of them, before we go through the line, to take a bite of the thing that they brought. Absolutely. And I stated, if for some reason you brought something you were allergic to, because that happens in my family, a couple people allergic to strawberries, they bring the strawberry pretzel salad, you should feed that to your smallest child in front of me so I know that I can trust your food. Not saying I don't trust you, but I'm just saying, exactly. let's let's eat that. Everybody yep. taste what you brought in front of me so I can see. Mm-hmm. And if you won't, you can kindly take that and yourself to the car. Yes. I'm not eating yes. your toilet potatoes. Uh, however, and I think that that works. Uncle but Bob would freaking tells eat tells me Uncle Bob ate the potatoes. I think he ate the potatoes. Asked, I don't think she did. No, no. Robin, I bet, did not. But you know that through that whole meal, she sat and watched Uncle Bob probably go in for seconds on those yep. potatoes. Happens all the time. And just wink across the table at her. Plus, you know... <laughs> At this point in time, Uncle Bob has probably fished many things out of that toilet. 100%. They have used His it to dentures. dump things in before. Oh, sure. He said, he's, yeah, he's standing over there peeing. He's like, oh, oh, plop. Yep. I'll, I'll just, just grab those and fine. rinse them off real quick. No big deal. Rinse it off. Life goes on. Rinse the potatoes and mash But them. why didn't we use the sink? That's my question. I don't know. Why, Uncle Bob? Was did it we one of those half baths that has like the super tiny little sink on probably, the wall? Probably. But a cauldron could still fit in there. It doesn't for you matter. To, drain and oh uncle bob they obviously we're not using a strainer i've never drained anything into the toilet Me neither Mm-mm. now my grandma my own bodily fluids maybe that's it. yeah maybe it's a you know you're born in the 1930s thing but i remember my grandma would sometimes dispose of something in the toilet sure, sure. like um like some grease which is probably terrible for the plumbing but it she'd was, like just yeah. go dump it in the toilet or whatever she never said hey take these potatoes drain <laughs> them over the toilet and bring them back because that's a, putting a lot of trust into a 10 year old definitely or uncle Dinner. bob uncle bob Yes, and I'm just thinking this poor Robin. This Robin is probably sitting around watching everybody eating those potatoes, just going. Yeah, I couldn't have done it. And would you have at least whispered because she was an in-law? Would you have at least whispered to your husband, "Just don't ask, but don't eat the potatoes." Yes, I will tell you later, but do not. I would like to kiss your mouth later, and please don't eat those potatoes. I'd like to continue to kiss you in the future. I like to think that had I been in that situation, I would have said, "Absolutely not, Bob." We will make more potatoes, Bob. Correct. Or, or it's just a starch-free Thanksgiving this year. Right. Thanks. That's okay. I would have we'll come out and said, "Hey, we're not having potatoes. We accidentally dumped them in the toilet." And we that's when mishap. Aunt Karen goes, "Bob and I do that all the time. I'll eat them. Yeah. I'll eat the potatoes." <laughs> Like, oh, toilet poop potatoes are my favorite. That is actually the clean toilet that we only use for food. So you can, that one's safe. That's the draining. You could grab a spoon and make soup in that toilet. Yes, yes. That's what what happens. When the environmental health inspections come, they're like, where's your hand washing sink? Uh, Where is your food washing toilet? Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's how that goes. It was like a bidet. Mm -hmm. Right. So for your food. All right. Well, y'all enjoy and I hope none of you are eating mashed potatoes tonight for dinner. No kidding. And and maybe this taught you something. I will say we recorded that episode for the Patreons um, before Thanksgiving. And so at Thanksgiving, I did tell my family the poop potato. Yes. You know, story. And literally my nephew goes, I, I didn't need to know that as I'm about to enjoy these potatoes. Okay. Like, I'm sure grandma did not. Put your potatoes in no. the toilet. No. I, I, I didn't let him know that I actually helped make the potatoes. That's but funny. I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that grandpa and grandma wouldn't do that to you. You know what would have been even sure. funnier? If you would have been like, I'm just not hungry for these. Yes. And continue to eat everything else on your plate but the potato. You know, I would, but I'm such a fucking potato lover. Oh, they're God. the perfect food. 
Ugh. I can give up a lot of things and most carbs, but it's not mm, the potatoes. Not potatoes, I'm not. I'm not. No, my Don't Thanksgiving ask me to plate give up is a big plate of mashed potatoes with things around it on yep. the sides. Yes, yep, <laughs> so, mine too. That's and things a- piled on top of it. Even yes, I ate the my noodles. Chin again. You did. I, I'm so excited <laughs> and animated right now. I'm gonna knock a tooth out. And now I want potatoes. Me too. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Follow us on social media. Reach out to us um, on there. We do respond. And uh, what else? What am I missing? Oh, Patreon. If you Hey, if you want to hear exclusive content like this for the Patreons, then head over to patreon.com forward slash crime curious or click the link that's in the show notes. And until next time, everybody keep it curious and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.